millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This episode of The Bell Tale contains graphic details which some listeners might find disturbing. Dangerous, disturbing, and guilty of an horrific crime. A judge's comments on mass murderer Daniel Allen. This was a horrific and a cruel instant. It's hard to even begin to imagine the fear, the pain, and the sheer suffering. Allen has been jailed for killing three generations of a family, including two children. The dead included a 15-month-old baby. Three generations of the one family were all found dead in this burnt-out cottage in Derry Lynn in 2018. The Gossets were a reclusive family, constantly moving to avoid social services. It was established that the reason that they moved from Scotland was to escape social services who were aware of the, the family and had some concerns. Their mother and grandmother, Denise Gosset, had begun a relationship with Alan after the pair met on an online BDSM forum. Now, it seemed that everything moved very quickly after that. Daniel Allen left England and moved to Scotland to live with Denise and her family. And then, all of a sudden, they seemed to just not settle in one place. Just two years later, he killed her and her entire family in the most horrific way possible. And he kept saying the very strange phrase, a promise is a promise. He then turned to the PSNI officers and asked which one of them was going to arrest him. Alan will serve 29 years for what he claimed was a suicide pact. The judge didn't believe him. It was clear that an entire tank of gas was bought to ensure that the fire would be completely devastating. Our reporter Curtis Reid followed this tragic case in court and he joins me now in the studio. Curtis, obviously this is a very strange story and we will attempt to look further back into it, but if we can just say, if we can just tell the story of what happened on the 27th of February 2018. So uh, the morning of 27th of February 2018, the people in the small rural town of Derry Lynn saw this uh, small bungalow up on a, on a field on fire. And when I say on fire, I mean completely burning almost to the ground. So the neighbours, they ran towards it. Um, they knew that there was a family inside, a family that, you know, appeared to have a, a young child. 
And in, once the neighbours arrived, they seen this figure standing on the doorstep, uh, a man uh, with his hands in the air, pleading hysterically, don't go in there. I looked into the bedroom windows and I, and I looked in, tried to get into the door and it was then that we got a sledgehammer and we broke down the door. But there was a lot of smoke and a lot of flames, flames were gushing out. Emergency services arrived, fire, police, an attempt to, to see if the, the family members that were inside brushing past this 28-year-old man called Daniel Allen, who was repeatedly heard muttering, a promise is a promise. Once the emergency services were able to get inside, they saw that four people were, were dead. What did Daniel Allen tell officers at, the, at, this, at, the point, at, that, at that stage? So Daniel Allen was described in court as being inconsolable. He was completely in hysterics, but all of a sudden seemed to calm down. He was heard telling uh, paramedics, I, I'm sorry that I started the fire. And he kept saying the very strange phrase, a promise is a promise, over and over and over again. He then turned to the PSNI officers who, who were there at the scene and asked which one of them was going to arrest him. What do we know about this family, the Gossets? Well, it's very, very strange. You know, you, when you when you talk about something like this, you you, know, you want to be as sensitive as possible. But, you know, essentially the, the Gossets could be described as very nomadic. Not a lot of people knew much information about them. Um, I was speaking to somebody who reported on this story originally in, in 2018 and they went, went down to, to the scene and they had repeatedly tried to speak to neighbours who may have knew them. And it was a struggle to find anybody that had even had any small communication or any interaction at all with them. Uh, what we do know is that they had, prior to the fire, they had been living in Derry Lynn for about uh, 14 months. Um, and there was multiple people inside the home. So so as you explained, there was Denise Gossett. She was 45 years old and she was the mother of the family. Her daughter, Sabrina Gossett, who was 19, and Sabrina's 15-month-year-old daughter, Morgana. Then there was also Denise's 16-year-old son, Roman Gossett. Alan, a part of this family. Yes. So how Daniel Allen became a part of this family was that he had met uh, Denise in a in a chat room uh, around about 2016. And it was described in court that they had met in a BDSM themed chat room. Um, so for those of you who don't know, BDSM is, is a sort of sexual fetish which involves bondage and um, sort of rough play. Denise had actually changed her name to Gossett uh, to escape a former partner, she told Alan in the in the chat room. Denise Gossett at this time when she was chatting with Daniel was based in Scotland and he in England. Now, it seemed that everything moved very quickly after that. Daniel Allen left England and moved to Scotland to live with Denise and her family. And then all of a sudden, they seemed to just not settle in one place. They left Scotland, they went to County Kerry, then they moved to County Cavan, and then they eventually went to County Fermanagh. So this all seemed to be in the space of less than a year. How did they survive in these places? So this was touched upon in court. Not a single one of them ever had a job. That was reported on as well. Daniel Allen has never had any employment. He lived with his grandparents when he was a teenager and then continued to live with them until he left to live with Denise Gossett. Um, they mainly relied on benefits and, and, and welfare to get by. It's actually unclear how they were able to transition all of those state benefits through every single place that they lived in, because obviously they're going from England to Scotland to Ireland to, to obviously Northern Ireland. So it was all very strange, but they appeared to, to rely on benefits. And Daniel 
Alan, you mentioned that he's never worked. No. And we understand one stage he lived in a tent at the, on a roundabout. Yeah. He was much younger than Denise, Denise Gossett. And yes. They, they met because of this mutual fetish and he has become a part of this family. Mm-hmm. The children, uh, well, there was only one of, of school age at this stage. Yes, Roman. Did he attend school? He didn't, no. The judge actually made a point of referencing this during the trial, which was that Roman especially was deprived any sense of a normal life throughout his formative teenage years. He wasn't able to establish a social life or gain any friends, not only because of the constant uh, you know, upheaval of his, of his family from all these d- different various locations, but also because it, it appears that his... That his mother and his mother's boyfriend prevented him from ever joining a a local school. Which would perhaps be part of one of the explanations as to why these people, we know they were known to social services. So they mentioned in court specifically that it was a very strange, and I'm sure listeners can make up their minds on, on the opinion of this, but, you know, there was a lot of, oh, social services were on the verge of, you know, addressing this, you know, they were about to act when it, when it came to the gossets, but it was, it was established that the reason that they moved from Scotland uh, to County Kerry in the first place was to escape social services who were aware of the the family and had some concerns. The exact nature of those concerns, we're not a hundred percent sure. We do know that one of them was Roman's education level, but uh, it appears that they constantly moved so that social services in wherever location they happened to be at the time did not come to their attention. Curtis, fundamentally what we're reporting on today is what was said on uh, in court. Yes. Now, you would be party to, there are many rumours and there are many suggestions around the family, mm-hmm. but we can report that they were known to social services, there were concerns um, about them in social services and there are concerns now about social services and why they didn't intervene in a case which tragically has proven that they definitely should have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think people can make up their own minds as to why social services took a strong, you know, issue with this family and, and really wanted to, to to act. And I think for a family to move into various locations constantly uh, and in the short nature, or in the short space of time that the gossets did, I think that sort of just speaks for itself. Yes. And uh, I mean, various outlets have been trying to some, get some clarification around this term on the verge of intervening. Yeah. Well, that That can mean absolutely anything. Now, what can you tell me about the lead up to this unspeakable tragedy? So, it again is a a very strange one. So, it's important to remember that the gossets were incredibly reclusive. Um, Like we mentioned, Roman didn't attend school. There was even a detail mentioned in court about how food delivery drivers were told to leave their orders outside the gate of their house and then drive off. So, it was, you know, the gossets were adamant that they didn't come into contact with people. So uh, again, when this came to, to sort of painting a picture as to the reasons what, why this actually happened, it became almost impossible. And again, that was referenced multiple times by the judge that upon arrest, Daniel Allen's story changed multiple times. Daniel Allen claimed during police interviews that he had agreed to become involved in a suicide pact yeah. with Denise and Sabrina. Mm-hmm. This was one of his stories. Can you expand on that? So during the the course of this time, because it's important to remember that this fire happened in 2018, you know, he was found guilty in 2020 and and throughout those, you know, those years, um, this story, you know, unfolded in, in various different ways. One aspect of that story all of a sudden 
was that Mr. Allen claimed that he had this very strange suicide pact that uh, him and Denise especially had concluded that their children, you know, were not fit for this life, as he referred to, and therefore they needed to be brought into the next one. The reference at the start of the podcast to his phrase, a promise is a promise, later came out in court that he had said that he had promised to bring them into a better life. And apparently also an, oh, another very strange aspect was that they didn't want to be buried, which explained the, the fire in which they died. We need to be very, very careful, Curtis. But I want to speak more about Daniel Allen. But before that, I need to ask you the details of what you can tell me about what actually happened. We've, we've painted the scene, the house is on fire. We've painted the scene, I suppose, of what led up to that. But do we know what was found inside that house? Do we know what happened in the hours before that fire was set? So one of the one of the details that we do know is that Daniel Allen had uh, likely informed the family that he was planning on moving to America. So this was a very strange aspect, and I, and I do understand that I feel like I've said every aspect of this yeah case is strange, but it, it is true. The judge referred to how Daniel Allen had the year prior to the fire met a woman, uh, an American woman through a, a chat room dedicated to the fantasy role-playing game World of Warcraft and that he was planning on moving to America to live with her. So therefore he was planning on leaving the Gossets to move to America. We do know that the last time he spoke to this uh, woman was three days prior to the fire. So he, he then went and bought um, a, a full tank of gas. Um, so this was one of the holes that was found in his story about how he claimed that the you know the fire was at one point he claimed that it was accidental and it wasn't this this entire ordeal was not premeditated and the judge was able to find a hole in that story whenever it it was clear that an entire tank of gas was bought to ensure that the fire would be completely devastating um, and would completely implode the house. It has been established in court that a few of those inside were given a drug known as GHB, which is a powerful sedative. Yeah, I think most people would be familiar that it's it's a common date rape drug. Um, it's used for its sedative qualities. It makes people very, very drowsy. Um, it can almost render them unconscious at times. Uh, and the substance was dead detected in, in a number of the, the bodies inside. Another point I'll make as well about the entire scene was that um, once the firefighters arrived to tackle the fire, they briefly went into the home and could see some of the bodies but were unable to get them due, uh, get to them due to the strength of the blaze. One of the firefighters actually recalls coming out of the house and saying that there was no way anyone inside could have ever survived that magnitude of fire. What we do know, however, is that many of the gossets actually didn't die as a result of the fire. It turns out that some of them were given the, the GHB, for example, uh, Roman and then the younger Morgana had uh, high levels of the drug in their system and were established that they died prior to the blaze. Denise, Alan's partner, who was handcuffed to the bed, this was part of their, their suicide pact excuse that, that Alan came uh, out with. Uh, and we don't know the reality of that at all. Let's, let's be absolutely clear about this. Exactly, that's a really important point to make, but um, the judge has accepted this. Um, and uh, this is why um, it's important to clarify that when it came to Denise's death, Alan was only charged with manslaughter and not murder. Roman and Morgana, they had died, as you said, before the blaze. Um, 
we don't know how Sabrina lost her life. Uh, her body was damaged beyond beyond that, but we do know that Denise died uh, from smoke inhalation. She was also um, just to point that as well. So she would also had um, strangulation marks on her neck, um, but uh, she had uh, smoke in her lungs, which means that she died as a result of the fire. Uh, Roman and Morgana did not have smoke in their lungs, so therefore died uh, prior to the blaze. But as you said, Kieran, we don't know exactly how Sabrina lost her life. I will also point out as well, being in court, sitting, hearing the graphic details that, you know, we simply cannot report for decency um, and out of respect for the the, the living gossips were horrific. I mean, it, it was not a packed courtroom, but there was visual and audible shock from, uh, from the press whenever uh, certain details were read out. Well, as Mr. Justice O'Hara said, he said he said Alan was had a very dangerous and disturbing part of his makeup. He added that his victims could hardly have been more vulnerable, and that he had doubts about the truth about the claims of, of a suicide pact. That has to be said as well. Alan sat emotionless. What did he seem like to you? Well, first of all, and we've referenced this in our story, you know, those listening to this podcast may have seen the image of Alan on our website. I will clarify as somebody who was sitting in court, uh, Mr. Alan no longer looks like that. We have repeatedly asked the PSNI to provide us with an updated image. They have refused to do so. Mr. Alan does no longer have that. He doesn't, he no longer has long hair. He's lost weight around his face. I will also say, not to be extremely judgmental, he's the oldest looking 33-year-old I've ever seen. He has cropped black hair, a very sunken face, reading glasses, and he sat in the entire court completely emotionless. He almost, and I've referenced this in, in my piece that I wrote, he looked bored. He looked like completely uninterested. He closed his eyes for long periods of time. He only stared at the judge. His eyes did not move from any point and I know it may be reductive to say, but he looked like he just didn't want to be there, not because it was his trial, but because he was bored. And I think that that sort of really impacted a lot more. You know, you were hearing these horrific details in in the manner in which these bodies were found, and it just did not faze him whatsoever. Now, he got a 29-year minimum sentence, and and that he will not be eligible for parole until 2047. Now, here, that's a very long tariff. It is a long tariff. He was expected to get a whole life tariff. He did not. I think a lot of the the press that were there were were quite shocked at that. The judge in his sentencing remarks did reference the the two previous occasions where a whole life tariff has been given in Northern Ireland, but ultimately didn't offer any explanation as to why he didn't give Mr. Allen the sentence. But obviously people would consider 29 years to be in the same sort of realm. Uh, you mentioned the pictures and, and his appearance and the victims commissioners called on the PSNI to explain why it is refusing to release an up-to-date picture of him. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, do you have any clue as to why that is? I, th- I think it's just, it's a case, I, I, I don't understand why Northern Ireland is so different in that regard. Um, you know, uh, other police services and, and, you know, other justice services provide images of those arrested. Northern Ireland is just not in that same vein. And I, I just don't understand. You know, I'll I'll be really personal. You know, I, I remember filing the story in court, uh, arriving in the office, opening up my laptop. Uh, I could see the front page of the Belfast Telegraph online. And just remember thinking to myself, well, who's that? Because that's, that's not the Daniel Allen that was standing in front of me 20 minutes ago. He looks completely different. And I feel... Like the public have a right to know what these people look like. We're looking at a photograph that was taken, you know, long before this happened. And, you know, the public deserve to know what this man who committed these crimes looks like now. And it shouldn't be just reserved for 
journalists in the press gallery to be able to actually just see this person. This, the crime took place in 2018. It's now 2024. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty open and shut case. Do we have any explanation as to how it took so long? I think it's really down to Alan's considerable attempts to change his story. I think at the start he was, he wasn't cooperative. He didn't really communicate, even though you know, to, to turn around to a police officer and say which one is going to arrest me at the at the scene and then to, to change the story and then to introduce this, you know, possible suicide pact and then, you know, reference all of these certain details about how he was going to go to America. And I think it was just he he complicated the the entire ordeal and it was referenced by the judge, which is that although he eventually pled guilty to uh, to both murder and manslaughter and arson, um that that play came far too late in this entire um, in this entire case. It was a you know it, it it shouldn't have taken that long for him to to admit his involvement in this. We have heard from Denise Gossett's family. What have yeah. they said? So Samantha Gossett, um, who is Denise's, uh, we believe, eldest daughter. Um, give a statement through the PSNI uh, where she it was it was very formal. She, she you know she thanked um, everybody involved in, in being able to get justice for her family, but ultimately it was very personal. You know she, this was her mother. These were her siblings. This was her niece. You know they she misses them, and it was a very tragic set of circumstances in which that she you know that they that they suffered and died. Denise was my mother. She was my rock. My beautiful mother was taken from me, my younger brother and my sister, Roman and Sabrina, along with Sabrina's wee baby Morgana, are all gone too. Their four lives were taken in a fire which was started deliberately, and it breaks my heart to think on what happened and to think on how they died. This story is probably less known than it should be, Curtis, for the simple reason is that this this family weren't from here originally. Mm-hmm. That's an unfortunate part of life and it's, it's, it's part of the reality which we as journalists deal with. We know that people will be more interested in certain stories if they knew people or if the people were from here or, or, or somewhere where they recognise. So they were reclusive They'd only lived in Derry Lynn for 14 months and they deliberately tried to avoid all human contact possible. Yeah. Nevertheless, an entire family being murdered must have had a big impact in Derry Lynn. I think people were really just devastated that this had happened on their doorstep and that this had happened in such a magnitude in such a way. Um, you know, I, I can't speak for the, the community of Derry Lynn, but I'm sure that there was a lot of people in Fermanagh that were very shocked that something like this was going on and something like this had happened but again through no fault of their own you know the gossets like we said extremely reclusive you know made desperate attempts to avoid any human contact with any other person why we don't know but I think it just really sends shockwaves um, throughout the entire community especially when it involves you know a, a family of which a 15 month year old baby was, was one of the victims Curtis Reid, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Karen. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself along with Graham Davidson and Olivia Peden. The clips you heard were from the BBC, UTV and Sky. Hold up. 
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.